Wir gehen es Ihnen und was ist los? It's deinen Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Listen. Welcome to NBC, IGN's Nintendo podcast for the week of June 11th. This week, we will be talking about past Nintendo E3 booths because this week we should have been at a Nintendo E3 booth, but there is none. So we're going to talk about old ones and what maybe it might have been the best eShop sale in a while. It's awesome. And some more Nintendo news. This week, I'm joined by Per Schneider. Hi, hi. Tom Marks. Hello. And Zach Ryan. And the ghosts of E3's past. Exactly. <laughs> and we do want to want to say that we hope that you're enjoying all of IGN's summer of gaming content. I know Zach has it all in the background. Tom is doing a check this game out. Tom, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, it's, awareness? I mean, I do it on the, it's basically what I do on this show all the dang time, which is like, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite parts about like E3 or PAX or any of those is like wandering around the show floor and just like finding cool stuff. And like, so we made a segment called Check Out This Game, where alongside all of our huge reveals and exclusives and that sort of thing, we've also just got me like being like, hey, this game is cool and showing off some exclusive gameplay. So we've got tons and tons of stuff in Summer of Gaming, and it's it's really worth checking out all of it. So I hope you guys are watching those. And speaking of Summer of Gaming, I just want to apologize in advance. Uh, because Summer of Gaming is actually running in real time while we're recording this show, I am monitoring the stream here, and I'm monitoring a second stream on my phone. So please excuse me if I'm doing multitasking during this podcast. I got it up here too. 
Yeah. We forgive you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, let's start it off with what was Nintendo's best E3 booth from the past decade? So I have a list of some of them from the past couple of years. I mean, my first E3 was 2016. Mm-hmm. Tough one to beat. I know it is a tough one to beat. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the Breath of the Wild theme E3 booth was probably one of Nintendo's best. I mean, it was like a theme park in there. <laughs> yeah. So, so in in days long past, IGN had uh, a live show stage where we recorded a lot of our developer interviews and had gameplay reveals and stuff like that. But then we also had a second stage on the show floor booth that we did like a second set of interviews at, you know, depending on the timing of uh, uh, when your game was revealed or when the show was happening, et cetera. And that year, 2016, uh, I was coordinating both of the live shows. And so I had an exhibitor badge to be on the show floor. And the day, two days before, I think the floor opened while our booth was still being built, I remember like sneaking as best I could over to the Nintendo booth because they had these giant curtains around it and like peeking in and seeing how they were building out the the Zelda booth and coming back to the war room and being like, they're building a whole castle. It's just like a giant Hyrule castle. And this was before we even knew the name of the game or had seen that extended demo or anything. Uh, I mean, that, yeah, that, that one's the best. So cool. It was so cool mm-hmm. too, because it was, it was one of the few, it's one of the few times where they literally just had like a single game, right. Mm-hmm. For the entirety of their booth where normally they have like sort of a focal point game and then they'll, build off around that and they'll have other things here and there but like that year was just like here's breath of the wild here's all the breath of the wild stuff and like that's it and it it let them flex a lot with that one game Mm -hmm. yeah we called it zelda disneyland and that's exactly what it felt like like it was you know high quality constructions you got this giant guardian in the middle you had like an interactive uh a campfire with a cooking pot. Remember all that stuff? They were like mm-hmm. things that if you stepped on a pressure plate, it would trigger an action. So um, there were there was movement and sound and all that. And then all the kind of like the purplish Breath of the Wild lighting throughout. No, it just looked really cool. I, you know, I was going to say, Casey, maybe like some of the highlights from the past, you know, Nintendo always has really cool character displays. And sometimes they have a corner where it is a little bit like a haunted mansion, like a little thing you go through, but they had never done it like this where the majority of the booth was just this giant display. And to clarify even further, so when you think booth, traditionally, you think of an open air thing with some displays, maybe some statues, but this Breath of the Wild booth was a whole sectioned off part of the floor like you had to go inside of it and i think that's why it was so immersive and so amazing because they had decorated all of the walls to make it seem like you're in a totally different space than just the e3 floor yeah and they they even had done it one better than that so like the outside the entrance to the booth was set up set up like a um shrine from breath of the wild Mm -hmm. and the door is like lifted and you went inside and you watched like a short um demo uh, and then that wall lifted and then you actually went into the booth that was built out like Paris saying with all these different, you know, areas and all these different demo stations and stuff. And I think you could play, I think it was like a 20 minute demo and you could play for quite a bit before they gave you the boot. So yeah, that, go ahead, Pear. No, I was going to say like, I, I think some of the best um, displays have been Zelda related. I, I like the Link's Awakening dioramas too, if you remember yeah. from last year. Um, who knows what we would have gotten this year. I know. I, I think I think last year's kind of stole the show uh, just because it, it was, you know, focused across three of their big releases last year and had three des- uh, disparate areas. Like there was the Link the Link's Awakening diorama, and then there was um, this Pokemon area that was built out like a Pokemon stadium that was really cool. Yeah, um, and then and then like the cool. Coup de Gras was the the haunted mansion. Like Luigi's haunted mansion was, or Luigi's mansion area was like set up like the haunted mansion at Disneyland and had like you know, projections of ghosts and like little visual tricks and stuff around it. It was super cool. Oh, I never got to go in there. I never got it was to see awesome. that part. I only I, saw yeah. all the other stuff. I got to go into the Luigi's Mansion one, like literally the end of the day, the last day. And mm-hmm. I it was, it was just because there were people who were telling me like, even if you've played the demo elsewhere, or even if like whatever, like you just need to see it. And I, I'm so glad I did because yeah, the Haunted Mansion from Disneyland is basically the best like thing like you would walk up to a fake 
hotel like check-in desk and mm-hmm. then they had these projections onto screens that would make it look like ghosts were like bellboy ghosts were popping up in front of you and it was yeah, so it was cool, cool. It, was just, it was just really magical it was really really awesome yeah, I Tom I had a similar deal where uh, I was also went on the very last day, and it was only because I wasn't working with IGN last year during E3, and it was only because I had w- managed to accidentally cross paths with one of our Nintendo friends, and he was like, "Have you seen the booth? Do you want to go right now?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, let's do it." So mm. it was really cool. <laughs> I yeah, I, I will say there are a couple of years where you know maybe Nintendo's display wasn't that great, but the experience was so cool. I remember, for example, when they um, when they showed Metroid Prime for the first time. Like Casey, when was your first E3? It was 2016. Uh, it was 2016, yeah. Mine, mine was 1997, I think. Um, <laughs> so it's been a while, right. but, but but like that that year, Nintendo really paid attention to visuals and surround sound, and so they set you up with demos of Metroid Prime in these like closed rooms with surround sound cranked up all the way and like giant screens, and like that to me is still the most memorable moment I have at a Nintendo booth. But it can't really be those giant displays uh can i tell you my least favorite nintendo booth yes so in 2017 in 2017 uh (laughs) they their booth was built out like new donk city and the booth was very cool looking but the ign booth was directly across the path from nintendo and they played jump up superstar on repeat (laughs) for 10 hours a day for like four expo days and by the end of it i just like it I can't even listen to that song now. It gives me like, I break no. out into like a cold sweat. Right? Yeah. I, you're, playing, I, you're definitely playing that song on repeat in Ring Fit Adventure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that horror story from at least four different people who were yeah. at that, that year. Like I've heard m- multiple different sources unrelated to each other be like, man, I can't hear Jump Up Superstar again. Yeah. 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 It, it happened at Gamescom too, where like you were close to a really big booth and you just hear this thing on loop. And by the end of the first day, you think you can't do it for a second day. One year at E3, we were in the hall with uh, with um, Konami. And I'm trying to remember which game it was, whether it was Devil May Cry or Castlevania. But they had fire shoot out of their booth every ever so often. And it was incredibly loud and like, like going off next to our ears. And yeah, I, I feel like we left a few people there. <laughs> Not fun. I also wanted to bring up 2018. E3. Um, E3 booth <laughs> because um, they had replicas of a bunch of famous items in Nintendo because it was for Smash um, the new Smash Bros for the Switch and I just think looking at all of those items so cra- painstakingly crafted was just really cool. Yeah, yeah that that ruled because all those things were like really hyper realistic, like they were mm-hmm. really really well done, and it was just cool to sort of see them at at scale. I guess is the right way. Like you look at Kirby's hammer, and it was life size, and it was like, oh man, that thing is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just, it was just that was I think a really good follow up to kind of their big scale booths for Zelda and and Mario because it was a lot smaller in scale but it wasn't mm-hmm. any kind of like skimpier in detail and in kind mm-hmm. of quality and fidelity of what they were making. So yeah, I agree that that year was really really cool too. They don't really do bad E3 booths, which is a shame no. that we're not like in one right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, rumor had rumor has it this year they were going to have a live orchestra, so <laughs> like playing the entire who knows time. who knows what that was for maybe it was just playing nintendo's greatest hits like the you know these these smash brothers concert or whatever but yeah that would have been pretty cool yeah. yeah i did want to bring up we should have had a nintendo direct this week as well which we would have we would have been talking about the nintendo direct and our hands-on impressions and the booth but alas we can't but when do you think we're going to get the next Nintendo Direct? I'm sorry, the speculation is like not very productive, but when do you how late do you think they're going to put it out? Cuz they were supposed to put it out this week. I and mean, it's delayed. Usually they'll have something before one of their bigger games comes out, so I figure before Paper Mario in early July we'll get something, but then that's getting really close to Gamescom. And you know, Nintendo has been a Gamescom partner for many years. I'm assuming they're part of the Gamescom digital programming, so maybe they're saving some stuff for it. That's a long way to go. I, I would say early July is my guess, but yeah, I think that's a good bet. I think that's a good bet. They gotta give us something, just a taste, just a little morsel. 
just something to pull us through this this time of of no news and and no updates and honestly like one game so we pushed hard to have nintendo as part of summer of gaming obviously right summer of gaming Mm -hmm. is our our replacement for e3 it actually started as a discussion with the esa on saying hey we'd love to help you bridge the year and produce e3 content for you and it didn't work out for whatever reasons um so we we badgered Nintendo a lot about having some reveals part of it, and they just weren't ready with the timing. Yeah, and I don't I mean I that don't they like... can't. Maybe they have something smaller coming later later this month. Like maybe they're revealing something. Maybe things have changed. Who knows? That, that's the thing. Is like I, we we talked about this around the Paper Mario reveal too. But like it it totally makes sense that they would just wait until they're ready now that they have that luxury, right? Because so many different developers all had to come around this one week sort of like not really but sort of artificially it was like a it was a a mandated deadline that they didn't get to pick and now it's just like yeah you just get to pick when you're ready to show this stuff and if you can just like maybe paper mario would have been part of e3 normally but if they can just reveal that early and then just show the rest of the stuff when it's more ready then like why would they not in terms of like from their perspective i think that makes a ton of sense but in terms of speculation i think pair is probably not far off in terms of like early july-ish yeah, I think he's definitely on point with that, either early July or end of June. And I'm also realizing after looking at the this list that guessing the booth without seeing what should have been the direct is almost impossible because you can mm. you can like almost like be sure that whatever is the biggest takes the biggest spotlight in the Nintendo Direct of this week would have been the focus of the booth. And we don't have that direct to go off of. So I guess I we'll bet. find out later. <laughs> I bet, you know, if, if you saw all the rumors about remasters of Mario games and all of that, I bet that that's a safe bet that it would have been completely Mario-themed this year to do something around the upcoming yeah. upcoming Mario titles and, you know, anniversary collections and whatnot. And let's, not forget about, be... let's not forget about Mario Land opening up in, uh, or Super Mario Land, right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. In, uh, the... Jap- in J- Japan's Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could have listened yeah. to Jump Up Superstar for a whole nother E3. With a live orchestra is probably yeah. for Mario music. I'm all right. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me about the E3. That wasn't, unfortunately. I also wanted to mention that to simulate E3, I'm wearing one of IGN shirts that they give everyone during E3, which we did not get this year. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get IGN shirts on another day for something else. Maybe. I'm wearing an IGN shirt. You are. Yeah. You're wearing an NBC shirt. Yeah, we were going to send out Summer of Gaming shirts, but it's a little hard with everybody. <laughs> they in a different place. Right yeah, I know. Yeah. That'd be a lot of shipping. It's and expensive shirts. It costs money. So um, you only got an IGN pillow. Sorry, Casey. No, I'm I'm excited for my IGN pillow. I See like it. my IGN pillow. I'm happy with, my, with what I got. And you know what else I'm happy about? This really awesome eShop Summer Game Sale, which is almost as cool as IGN Summer of Gaming, but... It's, it's actually is pretty cool. Um, basically, there are hundreds upon hundreds of games on sale now through June 16th. And I wanted us to kind of recommend a few games from the mass that we could recommend and others that we think are really good and an awesome deal. Uh, Zach, why don't you go first? Um, yeah, so I, I tuned in this morning and took a look at some of the games that are on sale. And I actually picked up uh, New Super Mario Brothers U. Um, so there's a, there's a ton of great games that are like pretty marked down and this one is, I think is 30% off. So it's 41 99. Um, I, I played this game a little bit when it came out, uh, earlier, uh, well, not earlier this year, but back when it came out for switch, I think it was the beginning of 2018. So, uh, as Tom Marks remarked, when I told him that I bought that game, he was like, oh, that's the lowest the first part party Nintendo game has ever been. Um, which still the jury is out, but I think that's a pretty good price. Um, I also noticed that um, Thronebreaker, the uh, Witcher spinoff, is uh, uh, only $10. And I've heard mm-hmm. that game is very good. And as a Witcher fan, um, I'm very interested. But I'm also like neck deep in a bunch of other stuff that I'm playing right now. So I, I played it safe and I didn't get that one. But I noticed that it was like also really marked down. And then the Overwatch bundle uh, was is 50% off. Um, and I heard that the Overwatch Switch experience is very good too. So a um, couple of good choices uh, on my end there. I think. What about you, Pear? Are there any games that stand out to you? We were joking about this before the show, but Nintendo first-party stuff rarely goes on sale. And, yeah. you know, some of their, like, games like Mario Kart 8 will continue to sell for years. 
and get stuck at that level. So I feel like whenever there's a, a sale like this, look for the first party titles that you missed out and didn't buy at 60 bucks and, you know, you can get them, you know, 10 to 20 bucks off. So like games like, I think a lot of people missed Mario Kart, uh, Mario Tennis Aces, for example, which is a really yeah. good game. Uh, Donkey Kong Country. Uh, Zach does not like Mario Tennis. Um, I, <laughs> I just I, wouldn't I call would... it a really good game. It's certainly no, a Mario it's... Tennis game that you can play. Yeah, you gotta you gotta like tennis and you gotta like Mario. All right, but you know you're the guy who would have given Xenoblade a three out of ten. Um, no, that's not true. We'll get to that later. But that's not that, true. that's what he said. That's what he said last episode. I no, heard it. That's also not true. Eyes. It's not. It's no. not true. It's um, almost true. No. Yeah, I, I would. I would go for those. And like, also, you know, if you've got a family at home, games like Mario Party, Mario Tennis are awesome to play with families mm-hmm. and kids. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tom? What do you what do you think are the well, good standout deals from here? So do I have to do I have to pick from the summer game sale or can I go because I know like Team Seventeen's also doing a sale. Oh, I, I consider they're all part of the sale that's going on okay. until the sixteenth. So it's they're like all of the publishers came together and were like, let's do a massive sale at the same time. I've so. got the list. I'm looking over here because I've got the list pulled up to remind myself. And I do want to echo what Pear said, which is like if you don't have any of these first party games, pretty much all the first party games that they've got on sale are great and are not on sale often. It's so funny to me that they're only that they're forty two dollars instead of just forty. Yeah. A lot of the time you see those sales go down all the way to the clean forty. Not that, that like I'm sweating that. It's just like so funny that even in uh, even in this situation, it's like almost the deal that you would get in a situation like this. I mean, I understand that there's a lot of talk about uh, games industry salaries floating around right now, Tom. But if you're sweating that two bucks for that <laughs> that game, I'll float it to you. It's no big deal, man. I'll help you out. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, there's some really good games that just like if you haven't played yet, like Ori in the Blind Forest isn't crazy on sale. But like if you haven't picked that game up yet, $14 is insane for how good it is. Um, I had another one that I was going to call out that I'm now losing track of. Similarly, another one that's not like crazy on sale, but like is a really fun co-op game that a lot of people might have missed is called Knights and Bikes. That one is oh, yeah. on sale. Like it's only like $4 off. But like, again, really fun little co-op game. That uh, I think got overlooked a little bit by Knights and Bikes was published by uh, Double Fine, right? I believe so. Yeah, it was at least in a lot of their like GDC booths and mm-hmm. Day of the mm-hmm. Dev stuff. They repped it a lot if they didn't directly publish it. Definitely. Um, yeah, there's uh, Slay the Spire being cheaper is great. Hand of SteamWorld Quest being half off is awesome. Wargroove being half off is awesome. Like there are a bunch of these smaller games that like was it, I, was Ori on sale too? Ori, yes. Ori is on sale. Yeah. Yeah, Ori um, is a good one to go after. I Casey, think. did you did you hear Ori? Slay the Spire. Oh, I, mean, I already have it. Finally, an opportunity for you to try that game. <laughs> yeah, it's coming to mobile. She's doomed. Uh, I, I have a code for that. <laughs> oh my god! And the reason I wanted to call it the Team Seventeen thing specifically is because Team Seventeen's doing has a sale on a bunch of their games, but like they got really good deals on some really good games. So like Yoku's Island Express, which is usually twenty bucks, is less than seven, and that's like okay. a great Get it. game. Yeah, uh, that's a great that's a great rec. You you reviewed that game, didn't you, Tom? I did. I gave that game an eight. I, I thought it yeah. was really great. Um, that, and, yeah, super cool game. Uh, yeah, I'm just, Worms, I was just there are so ahead. many games on sale. That's all I tons, to say. The Worms WMD is another Team Seventeen sale one. It's only also ten good. bucks right now, down from thirty. And WMD is like the best. It's such a good multiplayer like co-op competitor couch competitive game. Uh, and that the, this Worms Worms WMD is probably like the best worms in a long time, like years and years. So it's it's really, really worth picking up, especially at $10. So yeah, there's just like a bunch of stuff right now and a bunch of like stuff I could heartily, heartily recommend. So yeah. Did you say heartily recommend? Heartily, yes. Okay. I thought you said stuff that heartily. I could hardly recommend. And I was like, what are I you mean, doing? What are you doing to us? There's, there's that too. Heartily. Yeah. All right. I could hardly recommend some of these too, but I won't go into those. So like Tom mentioned, there are a ton of different publishers and developers having games on sale, including Ubisoft and Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle is on sale for $14.99. Uh, Raymond Legends Definitive Edition. I mean, it's been out for forever, but it's only 10 bucks and it has mm-hmm. really good co-op. But um, I also wanted to bring up Okami, which is only $9.99. What are you shaking your head for? Because my wife's yelling at my kids. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I, I couldn't I'm, hear that. But I thought you were getting ready to to talk talk smack to me there. But just I, for for reference, I think it's it's almost three o'clock, and I think my wife was yelling at one of my sons to wake up. Oh no! Uh huh. Like love it. That's a bad time. Well, Your kids over. are living the dream. Yeah, they're dreaming. I mean, you know dreaming what? When I life. was when I was a teenager over the summer, I would I would sleep in until three or five. You. so that's you know that's what? insane i've <laughs> like the latest that i stayed up even when i was like a, a, a kid was like midnight one o'clock and i was always up by like 8 a.m like i've never my, never been able to sleep super super late that's crazy my teenage my teenage kids are basically like the romans like i know they were here at one point but i only find the leftovers <laughs> and the remnants like you'll go into the kitchen and there'll be dirty plates there in the morning you're like that must have been like a 4 a.m. Borderlands party or something. The Romans. We believe they're still here. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, Casey, it's so funny. You called out Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle at being $15. And I'm sorry because oh. there's now somebody uh, mowing the lawn right outside my house. But <laughs> um, you called out that for $15. It's so funny to see that because Ubisoft actually discounts their games. Yeah. It's so funny to see a Mario game at fifteen dollars, yeah. and yeah. you never see like, that. That's so weird. It's so interesting because that's like I think that's not the cheapest. I think the game's been fifteen dollars before, fifteen or twenty already. Mm-hmm. And so it's like just so funny in contrast to like Mario Tennis Ace is being forty two and Kingdom Battle. Is I know it's the 15. same. It was it was like that with Starlink as well. You got right. your, your R Wing and Starlink mm-hmm. for just a couple of bucks. It was like seven dollars or something yeah, ridiculous on Best Buy yeah. on the holidays. Both. Both of those UB Nintendo games are great. You should yeah. you should get them if they're that cheap. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like I mentioned, Okami. If you like Zelda and you like really beautiful games, I think Okami is wonderful. And Disgaea. Disgaea. Oh, Okami. There we go. <laughs> uh, and then Disgaea Five Complete Edition is only twenty dollars. It is a really awesome. Um, I'm I'm like blanking. Strategy like a strategy game. game? Yeah. yeah. Strategy <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't want to. The combat is sort of similar to Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem, as in that you're on a grid. But the amount of crazy stuff you can do in that game is incredible. Um, I know Damon from Game Scoop also really likes Disgaea, so if you're into anime strategy RPGs, I think Disgaea is worth checking out, especially for twenty bucks. Um, so we just talked about the best games and deals in eShop Summer Game Sale. And now I want to mention just a couple of things that are smaller news, but thought was worth mentioning. Um, real quick, um, more Nintendo accounts have been hacked, even though I thought that they fixed that problem. I think it was, well, I think what it was is that the essentially when they estimated it was like 160,000 people had been Correct. hacked before, they're now saying that number was higher than they said it was about 140 yeah. about 140,000 accounts higher so they're they're yeah. estimating that they're closer to 300,000 accounts hacked yeah so it's yeah. not like a new security okay breach. it's cool. just that the breach was worse than was previously reported by Nintendo mm-hmm. okay. did you guys get breached no actually i mean oh. knock on wood but no i did not well, yeah one of my one of my romans did mm-hmm. <laughs> sam sam claiborne friend of the show also got his account mm-hmm. hacked yeah. Oh really? Did anything bad happen from that? Well, weirdly enough, they bought a bunch of pinball games, which I don't know why Sam would be about that. But so everything's according to plan, and everything's fine. Yeah. No, his account really did get hacked though, and he was not pleased. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess just be on the lookout and set up that two-factor authentication for authentic. Mm. I can't say that word. Authentication. There you authentication. go. It's a lot of syllables in there. I understand. Gosh. For everything. Do it mm-hmm. for everything. Um, don't want to get hacked. And also, we got some news on Bloodstained. Um, oh, yeah. Reached, yeah, so it's reached um, 100 million copies have been sold worldwide, and they released a development roadmap for 2020. Um, I think, so we already got the boss revenge mode in the chroma wheel quarter two, or are we still in quarter two? That's coming. Those things that's are coming. coming. That's coming, as yeah. Well so, as- so- we just got the Zangatsu DLC pretty recently, which I haven't had an opportunity to play, but I've heard is like just okay. Um, and I, I think I think that the number sold was one million, not a hundred million copies. Is that correct? 
It's one million. Yeah. Wait, okay. what did I say? You said a hundred million copies, and I was like, God oh. damn, these guys are making a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know why. Just like, no, yeah, one million copies. Thank you. Yeah. That'd be that'd be Wii Sports territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. GTA has got nothing on Bloodstained. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Best game of the decade. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, in quarter three, it's getting chaos mode and versus mode, and also special crossover content and a classic mode. And then quarter four, they're planning on a special crossover content and a question 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 mark playable character so a lot of stuff coming um there's more information on that and i also want to backpedal for just a second and mention like if you want to check out all those deals that we were just talking about for yourself go to nintendo.com slash deals and you'll see the entire list of games um anyway what's name more stuff is coming so if you like that game you probably are happy right now this reminds me, it reminds me a bit, that's a good slogan, it reminds me a bit of uh, basically what we saw with Shovel Knight, where it's mm-hmm. like a game that had a lot of Kickstarter stretch goals met and had a lot, has a lot of commitments already to like content that's coming. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see that they're just like, they were successful and they're following through with all that stuff, basically. It's nice. Yeah, I I, I sometimes think about like this game or, or Yacht Club's commitment when, you know, when they're making these stretch goals and they're putting all this stuff out there do they really anticipate like hitting those goals and being committed to developing this one particular thing for, you know, and like in Yacht Club's case, we're going on, you know, six years of develop, five years of development on Shovel Knight, right? Like that game came out in 2014 and, and uh, they just released DLC for so long. And it looks like, uh, you know, Bloodstain doesn't have as lofty goals, but they've also been develop- in development forever, it seems like. And so, you know, I think it's, it might be sort of a double-edged sword in that like, it's great to, to, you know, promise all these stretch goals and stuff, but then you get, you get stuck in development on something for so, so long before you can move on to the yeah. next project. Mm-hmm. And lastly, for small news, uh, super small news, um, we have uh, original Stitch is released in Bola. Original Stitch has released Pokemon polo shirts. I know you guys aren't that excited. I was originally excited because I thought they would be less expensive than their button-down shirts, um, but they're actually the same price. You're still going to be paying eighty to hundred dollars for a shirt with a Pokemon on it, and that's if you, I'm disappointed. <laughs> If you're only listening to it, Zach Ryan took off his headset and ran away and is putting on a little shirt. Oh, you have one. Put my Pikachu's on, man. Wow. You is actually a, do have one. Is that an original Stitch shirt? Uh, I don't know. It might be. It might be. That is not a polo shirt. Just, Terry bought this for me. Let me see. Aww. Oh, how sweet. It's, uh, I don't. I'm just kidding. It, yeah, it is original Stitch. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, you're wearing a hundred dollar shirt, Zach. Yeah, that's why I had to pay Terry a hundred dollars for it when she got it for me. <laughs> I want that. I want that gray welcome shirt. I only have the red one. Well, you've got the gray, gray one. Hundred dollars. Yeah, I'll Is give it you this. Still one on the IGN store. Probably. Okay. Yeah, talk to Justin Davis about it. He can get you a gray welcome shirt, no problem. He knows get people. the NVC discount. Mm-hmm. NVC discount. NVC ten. Low lower case. I actually have no idea if the discount code still works, but you can so. try. <laughs> no, just, you just laugh at me. Out of false information, Casey. I'm sorry. I said I don't know if it works or not. Like <laughs> I was just remembering in the past when we had a code. I don't know. Sure. Maybe we can get him to give us another one. We'll see. But that's about all the small Nintendo news of this week. So let's talk about games out this week. Tom, uh, it looks like you put down Night Squad, Ancestors Legacy, Project Warlock, and House Flipper. Yeah, this Tell is me the, about these games. <laughs> this is one of those weeks um, where like there's not a whole lot like high profile or brandy brandy new coming out, but there are mm-hmm. some really cool things that came out on Steam multiple years ago that are worth looking at on Switch as well. Um, Night Squad is this is a it's fourteen dollars, it's fifteen dollars, excuse me, um, and it's already out, and it's basically like a like a Bomberman style co- couch competitive game for up to eight players. Um, just a really fun one with friends. One I, I remember from a long time ago, actually. Uh, meanwhile, Ancestors Legacy is... Let me pull that one up because I, my memory is failing me in my old age. Um, right. Ancestors Legacy is like this almost like... It's like an RTS game, basically. Like Viking themed. Um, and you don't really get a lot of games like this on switch it's 
also or it's out on june 11th and it's 40 dollars. and like it looks really pretty we obviously haven't played the switch version itself but it's well loved on steam uh as a lot of the games i recommend are um and it's just cool to see more of the rts genre making its way on switch it's you know developers have found pretty good success with controller-based rts's before and so it's it's neat 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 to see ancestors legacy coming over um Another one, Project Warlock, is a, like, old-school Doom-style shooter, mm. but... You're a warlock? Magic, and an RPG also. It's, like, very weird. Um, and definitely, like, fans of old-school Doom or old-school Quake, that sort of game, uh, it's worth checking this one out, uh, Project Warlock. And the last one I wanted to call out was House Flipper, and House Flipper is this game that sounds like a joke or sounds like Zach one of the sort of like Zach gave it a thumbs up yeah House Slipper is cool <laughs> yeah it, it, this one's out on June 12th for $25 it, it sounds like one of those games that's like oh it's just like a sim game that's you know you play once and the novelty's gone but like really it's actually like a really cool game where you go into a ratty disgusting dirty house and you have to like clean it up and then like make it like buy new things and give it new wallpaper and make it a nice house and then sell it on the market for more money than you got it so you're flipping houses um, yeah it scratches it scratches a similar but different itch from animal crossing where it's like right you know you, you're you're fixing it up. you're essentially just doing chores and and yeah. then you know, for profit but I mean, like, it, yeah, fun. That, I, it really is like it hmm. it's a game that on paper shouldn't work because it's just you know like it's just like oh do these chores but like yeah it's actually pretty fun well it's it's that magical thing of like in games uh the the weird appeal of like the very beginning of a game of stardew valley or harvest moon where you're presented with a field full yes. of rocks and weeds right and like there's such pure sort of joy in just like cleaning it up you know and basically somebody made a game out of that you just clean up houses and then make money off them it's it's a cool one house flipper it's it's uh probably my most hearty recommendation of this week okay, okay. That's awesome. thank you for those recommendations tom we yeah. just talked about night squad ancestors legacy project warlock and house flipper all out for the nintendo switch this week now yeah. let's talk about games that we're playing this week or last week you know, any amount of time between the last time we had the show and now. So take it away, yeah. Zach. Uh, I'll start. Yeah. So actually, I wanted to talk a- about a game that got announced this week. Okay. Coming to Nintendo Switch finally. But I was duped. I thought that it was out this week, but it's not. There's no release date. But that is uh, CrossCode, which is a very 16-bit uh, indie, uh, like, top-down RPG that I'm very excited to play. Um uh, Justin Davis on uh, on our commerce team has played a lot of this game and and comes highly recommended via him he said that it's like one of 2018's like most overlooked games it's very reminiscent of uh chrono cross uh supposed okay. to be a very very cool 16-bit rpg um but i definitely thought it was out this week and was kind of kind of oh. prepared to talk about it and then like went to download it last night and it was nowhere to be found how um, is so it coming look for that it there's, got, there's, announced. There's, it got okay. announced for switch and people have been anticipating it coming to switch for a long time um so that's cool it's kind of like indivisible where indivisible was out forever before it hit switch um so it, it looked for me to talk about that game somewhere down the line but not this week that um, one that one is coming uh digitally july 9th and physically oh. august 28th oh okay so yeah wherever i looked last last night when i was trying to find it it just said release tba so that's good to know mm-hmm. yeah. um oh. so uh i've just been playing xenoblade this week Ha-ha. Uh, yeah, I'm about 25 I hours. I thought you in. said it sucked. I okay. It, I never once said that it sucked. Do not put words in my mouth, Per Schneider. No, I That's was not. Right. He never said that. I was not right. really feeling it last week, and this week I'm really feeling it. Uh, huh. Yeah, that game. Would you that say that? Would you say you're fickle? I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm fickle. I think like, okay, so I was having this conversation with Tam from GameSpot last night, right? Like he and I were texting about it because he- um, was, About how you're fickle? Well, yeah. No, but he and I were talking about it because he has previously played some of it and it wasn't for him. And I was telling him that I had like, now that I'm 20 plus hours deep, I'm really like, I'm really, really enjoying it. And I do think that there is room for a conversation about the amount of time that a game takes to get that good, sure. right? Like yep. I think that that- asking somebody a 20 hour buy-in is asking a lot of somebody. And I'm like, I wanted to stick with this game because I know that our fan base is really passionate about it. And yeah, last week I was a little bit on the fence. I didn't know if I was going to stick with it or not, 
but I wanted to shout out some people specifically from our community because they encouraged me to do a couple of things that made the game uh, a lot better for me. And that is a, I switched over to the Japanese voice acting, which is a thousand times better, a thousand times better. Like, makes me retroactively care about those characters and side quests so much more than I did when, when I was using the English voice acting. Um, Do you know why that is? I mean, first of all, obviously when you don't understand the Japanese, the, there's not this level of repetition in the battle sequences where they always say the same things. And it feels like there are actually more lines in the Japanese version that they shout during the battles. Um, but then also the English dub has such distinct accents and the way some of those things are delivered at the end of the battle, you they just get imprinted in your brain. You don't want to hear them anymore. Like, I totally it's agree Ryan with you. Time. It's Ryan time. It's Ryan time. <sighs> yeah. It's just too uh, much, yeah. No, and, and so I was, Giant Bomb was talking about this very thing this week, and they were talking about how um, they were saying that the, the localization team in the U.S. wasn't super willing to localize all of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles when it came out for the Wii. And that was like part of the issue because the Nintendo U- uh, Europe team picked up all the localization duties. And so they were operating with a smaller team and a smaller budget. And so they had like more or lesser known voice actors come in and record those parts and also had a smaller budget and timeline. So they only recorded a set amount of, of those like interactions. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. the Japanese version has a lot more catchphrases, a lot more uh, uh, like post battle dialogue, things like that. So that it is less repetitious. Um, but also I just think the voice acting is a better quality, like in the, the Japanese version, and it makes the story much more palatable. And uh, I'm, I'm to a point in the game now where things are starting to move away from like JRPG 101 and become much more interesting. Um, but the second thing that uh, a couple of people told me to do in the uh, uh, in, in various places, Twitter, in the podcast forum groups, et cetera, um, but I dropped, the, I dropped the difficulty down to casual. And I'm oh. just like flying through that game and just kind of mainlining the, uh, the, uh, you know, all the story points and things like that. And it's, it's like, I didn't particularly find the game very difficult, like super difficult to begin with. Like I died a fair amount, but not any, you know, it wasn't like frustrating, but on casual, I'm just like blowing through all the bosses and, and like the strategy portion is still there. There are still some difficult fights and things like that, but it just overall is more enjoyable for me to just like, hmm steamroll through uh you know some of the bigger open areas and fight a bunch of different monsters and things like that like i'm i'm really enjoying it i think it's great i i i do think that it is a solid eight out of ten game at this point so and i want that on record for next week pair so when you start talking smack to me i'm saying that it's good all right he said it's a 3.8 out of 10 game on the record anymore I just wanted to say that I did the same thing for a another very large uh jrpg persona 5 about after the fourth temple mm-hmm. dungeon, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I turned it my palace. There we go, palace. Uh, I turned mm-hmm. it down to easy because again, I was like, okay, I understand what this game is about. I just want to, I want to enjoy the story now, and I want to do that without having to worry about dying because that game punishes you for dying, like quite. Sure. There's gonna be there's gonna be people in the comments that are gonna come at us and say like, oh, don't play games in casual. That's not how they're meant to be played. Literally, do anything else with your time. Spend your time yeah. doing anything else but leaving that comment. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Like nobody cares how we play our games or how you play your games. You should play on whatever difficulty you want. Thank you. I, well, yeah, even, I have... even pushing back harder against that. Not to like be actively antagonistic or anything, but like that if. Like difficulty is such a personal thing and there's such a stigma around it where you feel like if, oh, if I'm dropping this down, I'm failing in some way or like it reflects Mm -hmm. badly on me. And like, I'd push back against that idea so hard, man. Like just play the game you want to play, especially with a game where it's, you're mostly playing it because it's like something that you hear other people really like and you want to see what the deal is. Like I, I like playing those games on easier difficulties just because it's like, you just want to get a sense of it. You just want to get know why people like it. You don't necessarily want it to like push back against you every second of the game. Like there are other games that are for that and that's great. But like, if you just want to like see why people are into something, like I totally recommend playing on an easier difficulty if it's what you want. Oh, I'm, I, I, I'm I keeping... should have... Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, I kept it at default difficulty, so I'm I'm still playing it, uh, playing it there. I'm loving the game as well. Um, but but when I was talking to you, I realized you were much more 
um, focused on the storyline and how it developed, and I was much more focused on the battle. So I think I'm going to keep it at that difficulty. Like nothing's annoyed me or slowed me down. I've died a couple of times on some on some battles, but it just meant I would do more side quests. Um, and it's been fun so far. And like I played Fire Emblem on hard. I don't play. I don't usually turn up the difficulty on a lot of games, but Fire Emblem I've played since the very first game, and I always bring it up on hard because I like that challenge. Of oh, overcoming, yeah. you know, just that, like, kind of being at the brink of death with your with your characters always feels like so rewarding. But like, there have been plenty of games where I feel like I've given up um, because mm-hmm. I had to repeat portions of the game, and the games weren't as nice to mm-hmm. you when you failed. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like Xenoblade, though, so many safe spots, so, like you can save oh, anywhere and all that. And the nice thing about Xenoblade is if you if you die in battle. Uh, it doesn't reload you from the last save point. It reloads you from a checkpoint and you keep those experience points, right? So like yeah. you might have leveled up in the previous round, like the previous run and gotten killed by a boss or something, but you keep all that experience that you gained running up to that boss, which is really yep. cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I should say, I should caveat this by saying that I'm fighting lesser enemies on casual. And when I get to a boss fight, I switch back to normal because I want that level of oh, strategy gotcha. and that difficulty mm-hmm. during a boss fight. I just don't need to have like, a bunch of like you know normal enemies that yeah. I, I just yeah you don't need a reason you don't want a reason to grind just to mm-hmm. get through and, that which is yeah yeah and they're you know they're they're gems you can uh you can mm-hmm. obviously uh, equip to that keep enemies from spotting you as easily so if if you want to slow that if you want to not be discovered by as many enemies you can mm-hmm. you can do that too yep cool. thanks for sticking with it Zach oh yeah I think it's good. Can can I like so Xenoblade obviously was my big focus. I just want to bring up Bioshock because I didn't didn't get to talk about yeah, it last week. I was going to ask you to talk about games you're playing now next. Yeah, so thank you, uh, Xenoblade. Uh, Bioshock. <laughs> I started up the collection. I've only tried out the first one, and I've been playing it with my son a bunch who's never played uh, through Bioshock. And then I tried out Infinite as well. Uh, unlike Outer Worlds, which struggles to it just looks very blurry there's there are people who say it's unplayable it's not unplayable it's just kind of like if you know the original it's a pity and it just doesn't look as good as games designed for the system bioshock being a generation back actually looks really good on switch i'm you know it's a it's a quality port there's some issues like there's only two channel audio for some odd reason but man bioshock infinite it's it's got to be up there with one of the prettiest games on the system on the Switch. Just like the lighting, the way the world looks, the just the style. Um, it's a joy to go back in. And then the original Bioshock, because it's so confined, um, and they capped the Switch version at, at at thirty. You know, the other platforms are at sixty, which is obviously nicer. But like, it just looks good. There are times where you know, like you're, you can see that it's aliasing a little bit and your weapon looks a little pixelated and all, all of that but generally um it's a good looking game and i forgot how much fun bioshock the original game is it's just it's a it's a great metroid like mm-hmm. um if you've never played it the collection definitely is a quality port collection i haven't played that's, two yet that's, that's good to hear. hear yeah i i ran into some issues when i played the bioshock collection on ps4 that was yeah. a bummer. I got locked out of a, a progress, you know, like I hit a bug that oh, no. wouldn't let me yeah, enter the next area. Um, so I haven't finished the original Bioshock in a very long time, but it's still one of my favorite games ever. Yeah, it's really good. And then I picked up, I also bought uh, Clubhouse Games. Um, I couldn't resist. Uh, it's a really well-made casual game collection. Like, you know, it definitely is not something that was farted out just to capitalize on the Switch going more mainstream. By the way, these suckers are sold out everywhere, and you can't get Joy-Con. Who's laughing now? Ooh, I know. <laughs> um, no, Joy-Con are sold out. you got to pay like 100 bucks plus for them everywhere, like get imports. Or, or what, 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 percentage, but, um, what percentage of your 300 Joy-Con have drift, though? Uh, well, I had, remember, I had like four, three that had drift, and one had a broken stick, and I got them fixed for free. Thank you, Nintendo because they do that. Um, But that's, you know, that's that's a significant (laughs) amount out of my 300,000 Joy-Con, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, Clubhouse Games, is is, it's charming. It's like the actual games are well executed. Um, And then I just love the the gadgetry with daisy-chaining your switches. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously my kids all have theirs. theirs, So um, 
just seeing that uh, that kind of continuous gameplay across multiple switch screens is just somewhat magical. Um, and then it's it's just fun playing stuff like slot car racing and and connect for like stupid stuff that you probably wouldn't bring out at home or don't have anymore mm-hmm. um, because those are bygone toys and it's just fun to recreate that on 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 the switch on the go. Only bummer is that we're not going on vacation and traveling everywhere because this would save me bring my board game collection right now. You can travel in your mind. That is not the same. Look at how confused Thomas. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, not confused, skeptical. That was uh-huh. skeptical. But good, but good, good stuff. Yeah, I was, I was expecting it to be a little bit less um, refined as it is. Like they definitely spent a lot of time on it. The, they're simple games, but they're all executed with you know love towards detail. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tom, what games are you playing? Uh, not a lot of Switch games, to be honest. Right now, um, I kind of fell off Animal Crossing. Not, not that I have dislike for it any or anything. Just like gonna pick it back up once commutes start again i've been on persona 5 royal for a while now i went back and finally started playing the control dlc which is really cool um otherwise uh i actually already said it in the sales part i've been playing uh, a fair amount of a surprising amount of worms wmd with some friends on steam um we've picked that back up in a in a very fun way uh another one that came out on steam recently is polybridge 2 uh, which mm. is a sequel to Polybridge, which is Polybridge is a bridge building game I would absolutely recommend on Switch. Um, I imagine it's not confirmed or anything, I don't think, but I imagine it's only a matter of time before the sequel makes its way to Switch as well. I'd assume if the first one is like there, most. it runs well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Polybridge is probably the, the, the one more than anything this week that I'd say people should check out because that game is fun still. And Polybridge 2 is basically just like more of it in a good way. Thanks, guys, for talking about games that we're playing this week. Um, I did want to try and squeeze in at least one question. So this question for question block is from Matt Slaybaugh. And he says, if Animal Crossing New Horizons was someone's first video game, what ought to be their second? And he says, the obvious answer is probably Stardew Valley, but I bet you've got some more creative answers. Thanks for your help. Well, I mean, that means, though, that you're playing a game very much like it. I feel like after you play something like Animal Animal Crossing, it's time for something different, like something faster paced, you know, and I would say either you go for something in the strategy realm, like a Fire Emblem, because it does have a couple of the kind of menial tasks, like the kind of everyday tasks and the convo stuff, but then it has this whole uh, strategy gameplay on top, or you go for something like Mario Kart, you know, something actual action multiplayer. I'm sorry, the question was, if Animal Crossing was your first game, what do you recommend for your second game? Specifically Animal Crossing New Horizons. And there was a little bit of a backstory where um, his wife would watch him play things like Zelda, but was never interested in playing herself. Started playing Animal Crossing, Mm. and they completely commandeered his Switch. So now they're looking for more games for her. Um, If I may make a recommendation, I think a perfect follow-up to Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Nintendo Switch would be... Dark Souls Remastered, get in there. Get out of here. Dark Souls Remastered for the win. Uh, no, actually, I don't think that at all. Um, uh, you know, I actually... Snipper I, Clips, I, stuff clips like that. Clips. Ibn Ob, like co-op games like that could be really mm-hmm. cool. Box Boy. Um, I, I, I do have a real suggestion, though, and it's something that uh, I've revisited in the last week because of its anniversary, but uh, have noticed a lot of parallels in just, like, tone, I think. Um, Earthbound. Like, I'd like to see, like, somebody give Earthbound a shot after Animal Crossing. It has the same level of charm and kind of goofy humor and, uh, you know, obviously a very different game. But um, I think that'd be a good second game for people. Thanks, you guys, for your suggestions. I was going to suggest there's a new Harvest Moon game coming out this year. And there's a Rune Factory 5. If you want to, like, go hard into the the more game-type activities in your daily life uh, simulator. Yes, Pear? I would say... Story of Seasons is the one to look for. Right okay. now, Harvest Moon's not looking so hot, but okay. we'll see. I mean, we haven't played it. Thank you for the clarification. But, yep. <laughs> and I do have a couple of other questions um, for Question Block for our audio listeners. This one is from Rebecca Renee, and she asked, do you think Nintendo will do the selects program for the Switch with some of their older games like Breath of the Wild, Kirby, Yoshi, or Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze? I think so. I, I think once we get to second installments in the, in those franchises on the switch i feel like they want to 
draw a distinction between the first games. Like if you have two Zeldas on the same platform, which we kind of have, but it's one is a remake, right? But like you have a Breath of the Wild sequel. I feel like they're trying to, they will try to capture attention by creating a, you know, a, a select program or something that has a lower pay tier. That, that's been their strategy in the past. I feel like <laughs> for sure. Eventually. And yep. the, the selects program in the past, they would, they put out games for 20 bucks each, which mm-hmm. is, they probably are not going to price. I bet they're not going to price Breath of the Wild at, at that price. I think it, no. uh, they'll still keep making money, but I could see them do that with the Kirby or the Yosh or the DK. Yeah. I think I think that uh, any of the games, any of the Wii U ports, would be like a perfect opportunity for them to do selects on the Switch because there are so many great ports and uh, awesome entries in like known Nintendo franchises that have made their way over to the Switch that I would pick up for twenty bucks in a heartbeat. So. I mean, I, I said this, if not on this show, I think it might have been New Game Plus, but like, uh, or excuse me, new, News Games and more. The Like, it's insane to me still. And this is not like a hill I'm willing to die on currently because Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a fantastic game. But it's still insane to me that a three-year-old port of a six-year-old Wii U game is $60, right? Like, yeah. that, that's crazy crazy talk whereas you can get like god of war for 20 right like yeah god of war for 20 when it's not on sale for 10 can't play god of war on your nintendo switch though right and that's kind of what it is and like yeah i'd love to i'd love to see them especially with some of those wii u ports uh make some sort of program or some sort of something where it shows that they're a little bit cheaper to get into now that we've passed that thing also it's very distracting because the audio listeners can't see but now i'm on the tv behind you while also talking to you yeah Fact. i know it's oh, real what? exclusive very meta. Very meta. <laughs> this next question is from Stuart twary and they ask are the are the wii u games on switch better than the nintendo games designed for switch that is that is a really good question actually i hadn't even thought about that I but if either. you're if you consider Breath of the Wild a Wii U game. Right. Maybe, yeah. And then you consider Mario Kart 8 also in there. Mm-hmm. That leaves kind of for like the big the big games that still leaves like, you know, Fire Emblem, um, Mario Odyssey. But yeah, that's a big chunk of the lineup that is returning. And then there's, you know, Sharp FE. There are um, obviously other games that we uh, love, like New Super Mario Brothers. That's a tough oh. one. I'd say, I'd say, okay, so here's, here's my, my nuanced answer to this. I'd say maybe, yes, Mario but, Maker. but also I would say that the Switch hasn't defined itself by those Wii U games, right? Yeah. Like, even if the Wii U games are kind of the stronger part of its first party lineup, which might be a fair thing to say, I think it's arguable, but you know, either way, like, even if you believe that, I don't think that it's to say that the switch has failed in terms of making a case for itself, right? Like those two no. things, those two things don't need to be like both or neither, you know? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Smash brothers, right? Like they're huge yeah. games uh, on the platform that are only on the Nintendo switch, but like, yeah, my, my two favorite games on the platform still, if I were to pick, Two, it's probably still Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart 8, just quality-wise, whole package-wise. And yeah, those are both available on the Wii U as well. That's the evil question. Then you add Xenoblade, which is from the Wii. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for making us all think about that and then feel bad, Stuart. (laughs) Soon we'll get Pikmin and then you'll get, you know, Sunshine. Another Wii U game. Yep, yep. This next question is from Brayden Chong, and he says, "Are there are any of you playing Bug Fables, and how are you enjoying it? I really feel like it's the spiritual successor to Thousand Year Door that people have been waiting for." And I wanted to add something onto that. If you haven't been playing it, does this comparison make you then want to play it? I have um, not played it. This sounds like a Mark's game. Tom, I mean Tom, when this trailer dropped for this game, literally stood up in the office and was like. There's a Paper Mario game from an indie developer. Like, come over here and look at this thing right now. <laughs> called me over to his desk. Was like, this is just Paper Mario with bugs. Like, this is so cool. So, like, I, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been 
looking at it from afar for a while and i know that it's out but i'm like involved in a couple other things here so i haven't i haven't had a chance to play it but like yeah everybody that's playing it all the reactions on twitter and stuff are just like this is such a perfect homage to paper mario and like feels really great and is really funny and i think that's really cool yeah it's i i haven't been playing it on switch but i played it when it was uh first out on steam and i i think it is a good like it is definitely a successor to thousand year door in that like that's really what it wanted to be and what it wants to do. It feels like Uh, what I'd say about it, kind of my quick take on it is that it's a really, really fun game and it's a really fun sort of paper Mario style game. The only thing that it's really missing is just like the thing Nintendo is famous for, which is that insane extra level of polish and absolutely everything, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is still an indie game. It's not like a Nintendo quality game, but that doesn't mean it's a bad quality game. It's still a a really, really cool Paper Mario style RPG. And one, any fan of the genre should absolutely pick up. Cool. All right. Well, if that, if you weren't sold on Bug Fables, you might be now. (laughs) Thanks for the question. Um, this next one is from Evan Beadolf, and they say, what are you missing about not being at E3 this year? And what, wait, what are you missing about not being at E3 this year? And what are you not missing? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you guys start. Uh, I miss I the people. Lots. I miss the people. Like, I think my favorite thing about E3 is that it's all of my favorite people in the industry in one place. And like walking into the fig after a, 13, 14 hour workday and just like being able to have a couple of drinks with, you know, all of my industry friends is like amazing. Uh, I miss the war room, like the excitement that happens in that room every year when games are announced and our team is all working together and firing on all cylinders. Um, I don't miss waking up hang- hungover every day. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but that's maybe just a me thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I miss I miss just that togetherness of seeing everybody, not just, you know, the team that we work with in the San Francisco and L.A. offices in the same place, but some of our international folks from around the world, uh, you know, our U.K. and our Australia team uh, in the same room reacting to the same news. And like we get heads ups on certain things and we're excited to see how our audience reacts to them. And that's obviously the same with Summer of Gaming. But like then there are all these big surprises at E3 that we don't know about. And just experiencing that together is just really special. And that's why, you know, when Nintendo went to the Nintendo Direct format, instead of having the stage show, like we all lamented that loss because we had experienced that in person. There was something really different to applauding something with your friends and with, you know, a thousand people in an, in an audience at the same time. The thing I don't miss is, uh, so I do this, um, I do this client presentation every year at E3 where, you know, advertisers and partners come to this uh, a hotel and I give them like a, a like I do the show and tell about uh, gaming trends and what kind of some, some of the learnings out of E3. And like, I love doing that, but I usually lose my voice by day two of E3 and we oh, always no. schedule it for day three. And so it's this constant, like there's always some party that IGN is throwing or somebody's throwing and I yell too loud. And then I just dread and I don't speak for like 12 hours so that I can at least do this presentation. Like, I don't miss that. So this year we're doing a summer of gaming uh, a breakfast presentation and it will be all remote and I can <laughs> I can just drink honey milk and get ready for it. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I think I miss everything. How do I mm. put this? Everything that I miss is also everything that I don't miss, I guess. Because like I get that. Like E3 is this thing where you're just you're you're using your entire tank of gas constantly, always, the whole Mm -hmm. time. And it's so exhilarating and it's so much fun. And especially with this team, like it just feels like we do such like I'm so proud of the work we do every year, but like at the same time, it is just extraordinarily exhausting as a result. So like I miss that energy and I miss that seeing all those people and doing all that, but also like not so bad to just like be chilling in my house watching the announcements online (laughs) you know like it's 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 a give and take in that regard i am glad that we've got like it 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 seems insane to me that we would be in la right now right like given everything that's going on right now like the idea of being in la for this show is just like doesn't sound appealing to me in hindsight but Mm -hmm. like also you know it's it's always fun to do so it's um i'm not at that point in my 
career yet where I'm like jaded and sick of E3 as I know some people are. Like I, I enjoy going to it every time. I'm still yeah. not jaded. I, I still love it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a conversation every year that happens at IGN where like first timers are going to E3 and people are like, oh, just wait. Eventually, like he'll just be so burnt out on it. But every year I'm excited to go. And yeah, yeah. I've never felt like, oh, here we go again. Like it's always an I, exciting thing to me. I always feel like it's a privilege to be on the front lines and be uh, able yeah. to see that stuff, you yeah, know, in absolutely. person. So I like as a kid, I couldn't have imagined that that was a job I would one day do. So, you know, I, I think I, I still stay very humble about that. I, I, I always think it's special. Yeah. I love how you see all of our team and everyone put in their very best and do their very best and get to do all of these really awesome, cool things. And like Zach and Tom and Peril said, it's also extremely tiring, but you have such an adrenaline rush to do so many things and get so many things done. And then you somehow still have at least some gas left in the tank by the end of the day at like 11 when you get back to the hotel to still hang out with your friends at IGN or friends in the industry. And I, it's probably some of the few days that you're working the hardest, but also having the most fun. Um, mm. But yeah, by the end of it, I'm so exhausted. So I'm not, I'm glad that I won't be extremely exhausted this weekend <laughs> to the point where I <laughs> want to do literally nothing. <laughs> but I think I, I miss the experience overall. And I think the most, yeah. Hair. I'm putting up the IGN TikTok. Come on. <laughs> IGN TikTok now with a lot tens of thousands of more followers. It's just bad. That's just bad podcast know. protocol. I'm supporting us. You gotta play some TikToks. <laughs> Go I'm supporting us. Go see well, IGN right. TikTok. We're, we're only audio. We're only audio. Why am I showing this on the screen? Can't even show people. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. And with that, that is about all the time we have left, unfortunately. So thank you so much for listening to NBC, where you can catch us every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific time on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can get the thing. Get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.